and Exodus as well in chapter 3. And I have a battery. And it works. I'm so happy to have a battery again. I can move around a little bit. Um, I felt like I was tied to this thing for a couple of Sundays without a battery. But I, I remembered them today, so I'm thankful for that. And I hope you can hear me much better today. I want to talk to you a little bit about this last week or so. And most of us are going to be able to identify with some of this. Um, when God begins to work in our life, the enemy doesn't want him to succeed. So he gave us, if you will, a very nice comparison over the last week of stuck Frozen and cold. That's how the enemy wants you. Stuck, frozen, and cold. Some of us know what it's like to be stuck at home, to go outside and get cold or frozen and see everything in pipes freeze and bust, and uh, the cold. It wasn't just chilly, it was cold. When we get to negative numbers on the thermometer, it's cold. I had a conversation with my son yesterday. He was wearing one of his leather jackets that he wears in the milder weather. And I said, what about that nice warm jacket that I got you last Christmas? When are you going to wear that? He said, when it gets cold. I said, it got to negative one. How cold does it need to be before you wear a warmer jacket? He said, that was his whole response. I don't know. But I, I share this story with you about stuck, frozen, and cold because those are three things we, we get in our lives with God. Stuck, frozen, and cold. Stuck this way. Like people stuck in the snow. If you don't have a clean path, you're not going anywhere, right? But also, stuck in a rut. It's God's way of saying you need to look at your life. And He gave us time to look at how we spend our time. For us who get stuck, life has gotten the same. No growth. Spinning our wheels, not going anywhere. Sometimes frustrated and feeling like you're going backwards. Are you one of those in your walk with God? Or do you have the fire of God burning brightly inside of you and you're ready for the next move of God and you're all in? Do you know what I'm talking about when I say the fire of God and all in, what that looks like? Have you gotten so stuck you forgot what the fire of God does when it's burning? Do you think you can live a life of faith without God at the center of it? Well, how do we get stuck? Well, it's simple. We get frozen or cold or both. Frozen. We get frozen where we are when we do not accept God's truth for who we are and what we are about. I'm going to say that again because it's a, it's a mouthful and we don't want to hear it. We get frozen where we are in our faith, in our walk, when we do not accept God's truth for who we are and what we're to be about. Our identity in Jesus Christ is different than our identity before Jesus Christ. And what we're doing with our time changes when God comes in. 
bitterness, lack of forgiveness, and resentments keep us stuck and eventually frozen. Those are not healthy patterns of living. Now, you say, well, you know, sometimes I just have the lack of forgiveness. I get mad at certain people. The enemy wants us to keep these things so we do not love. If we don't forgive, we don't love that person. That blocks love. And God has asked us to love. So if we don't love, we're doing opposite of what God asked us to do. Does that make sense? So, all of those things, bitterness, lack of forgiveness, resentments, and sorts like that, all they do is block the flow of God's love trying to move through us to the world around us. If we say not here, guess what? God has to stop it there. Because where we put the brakes on, God puts the brakes on our ability to be effective as well. We get frozen in that spot. And the worst thing about it is, is our emotional state gets frozen right there. We're stuck emotionally because we can't grow forward. And here's the hard part. The person that we can't forgive is used to be somebody we really loved or still do. We just don't know how to move around it. It's like going from a relationship with someone to bitterness and anger. I'm never forgiving this person. Whether it's some people, it's their father, their, their, their um, a friend, or an ex-relationship. There was a love there at one time. That is blocked. That means a part of our heart is blocked, which means I don't want to love from my full heart because I feel unforgiveness or I am not willing to forgive yet. Now, if your behavior is based on and justified by how you feel, then it's not based on God's truth for you. You are forgiven in Jesus Christ. The word you extends to every single person. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17 in John 3 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn it, but that through Him the world might be saved. And He's given us, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the ministry of reconciliation, which is bringing that message of restoration back to God, of forgiveness to those who believe in Jesus Christ. That's our job to promote forgiveness. So if we say, well, but I don't feel like it, God's saying, I understand that. But when you begin to forgive, you begin to grieve the hurt. And why would you want to carry the pain? Doesn't make sense to me. In Psalm 145, we find that he's talking about God's mercy. In verse 9, it says, His tender mercies are over all of His works. You and I are God's work. And it says that these works praise God. Well, what about you? Are you praising God? Are you giving back to God thank yous for what He's done and is doing in you and around you? 
Are you filled with praise or criticism? This is a question. It's a litmus test to how close you are to being frozen or chosen. Once heard a pastor say about his church, I preach to the frozen chosen. He was saying it's because they didn't want to do anything for God and he couldn't get them motivated. But I believe this church is beyond that. We're the chosen of God and we know it and we don't want to be the frozen of God. We don't want to go back into the cold works of darkness. It says, and I, I don't know about this uh, for you, but if you've ever read this verse, this kind of surprised me. It says, your saints shall bless you. By saying they shall bless you, they're saying, God, you are wonderful. I bless your name. I thank you for who you are. But then it goes into this whole litany of what saints do. He gives a whole list. He doesn't just say they'll bless you. And I, I just pulled these out so you could hear these. It says the saints shall first of all bless God, speak of the glory of God's kingdom. So talk about how wonderful His kingdom is compared to this world, of course. But have that in your uh, lips at all time. To talk of God's power. So another one that the saints of God shall do to talk of His power. And then it says to tell others of God's mighty acts and the majesty of the kingdom. That's what it says all those things a saint will do. And you might say, well, I'm no saint. I'm just a forgiven sinner. If you are redeemed by Jesus Christ, Scripture says you are a saint. You're either a saint in the body of Jesus Christ, or you're not in the body of Jesus Christ and you're not a saint. That's how the Bible says it, and I'm going to stick with that. I hope you do too. So if you're a saint, this is speaking to you. It also says that God is righteous in all doings, gracious in all that He does, and near to all who call upon Him in truth. That word truth is a stickler. One of the uh, caterpillars asked me, what's your doctrine? And I said, are you asking me what does the Methodist church hold? Are you asking me what uh, is theologically correct? Are you asking me what the Bible says? Are you saying what do I talk about when I preach? And he said, I want to know what you believe is the truth. Pilate said to Jesus, what is truth? You need to know your truth. Everything else pales in life until you know your truth. We have an identity crisis until we know what the true truth is about us. We have um, the voices in our head from the past and when we look in the mirror and we talk to others, all putting us down and sometimes they lift us up and put us in places uh, egotistically that we don't belong. But what is your truth? What does Scripture say your truth is? And what do you say your truth is? Are they the same? Do you live out the truth of God in your life? God is gracious and near to all who call upon Him in truth. 
Why does He have to put that in there? It's the 18th verse. God is near to all who call upon Him, to all who call upon Him in the truth. That verse will mess with you. God, why aren't you listening? God says, tell me your truth and let me tell you mine. And let me put your truth corrected into the right standing. I'm, I'm hoping I'm not being too basic and I'm not playing on the word basic this morning. Basic with this explanation. But if you don't know who you are in Jesus Christ, the world will tell you and so will others give you an identity that isn't. If you don't know who you are and what your status is in the kingdom of God, you will flounder in the faith. The fire will go dim. You will become frozen. I really want you to understand what it means in that uh, ninth verse when it says His mercies are over all His work. It's okay if you're frozen and you know it and confess it. Does that make sense? If you say, oh, I'm doing great in the faith and you haven't seen God do a single great work through you in years, who are you kidding? God, show me where you're working in my life would be a better prayer. I don't see it. God, use me for Your purposes. I want to see Your glory. A lot of folks know I pray with my eyes open most of the time because I'm asking God to show me His glory. And if I close my eyes, how can He show me? Sounds like a uh, like I'm saying, God, show me, but I don't want to see it type of prayer. If I want to see God's glory, I want to see God's glory. And if I believe He can show me, I want to see it. And I have seen it. It's wonderful. And I promise you, it is visible. And God will show you His glory if you ask. But you must come to Him speaking the truth. God, this is who I am. This is who I say I am. This is what I believe. God, take this and give me mercy. I don't need judgment, God. There's either judgment or there's mercy. With God there is mercy that He may be feared because mercy triumphs and trumps over judgment. God's mercy is shown on Calvary when the judgment fell upon His Son and the mercy fell upon you and me. Mercy changes you. Otherwise you feel like you're still in condemnation. The Scripture says in Romans 8.1 there is therefore now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus who love Him and are called according to His person walk by the Spirit. It says that there is no condemnation by God. It doesn't mean that the world isn't going to. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have that stuff that you think sometimes it condemns you. A lot of people struggle with low self-esteem and poor image and what we call image distortion of what God says and what we believe is true. I want to tell you for a long time, I thought God made a mess when He made me because I had a... Have you ever seen John Boy Walton? A John Boy Walton mole right here. About the size of his, but puffier. And I thought nobody would like me because of it. And that was the only blemish 
so far at that time on my face. So I had it cut out. Then I had a scar. Can't see it now. And I thought, God, finally the scar is healed. And then I looked and there's another one right there. A new one. And I said, God, but, but, but that one's not so bad. And he said, and then there's another one right there. And I'm looking around, I'm going, God, are you trying to say that we're always going to have imperfections? We should live with those and learn to bring them to you. Amen. That we don't have to come perfect before the throne just knowing the truth about who we are. Let me tell you a couple of things about you that are basic but true. God loves you. He's not going to reject you. He's not mad at you. Some people don't know this. He's not carrying a big stick to hit you with it. God is looking at you like this. Come home. Come home. Let me wrap you in my arms. The everlasting arms. And let's lean on those. Find safety and strength and a place where you can be who you are and find safety to grow and be what He called you to be. Why would anybody want to change if they feel change is dangerous? Or if God isn't going to back them up? Why would you want to risk it? Makes no sense. But if you know God is there and has you under His everlasting arms, failure is necessary to grow. You fail forward. There was an author, great, great work that he wrote one time. He met with a CEO of a company. As a matter of fact, it was when IBM was big. Great big. And he somehow stumbled into a meeting by being naive. And he said, I've tried this and I've tried that and I keep getting rejection letters. And he goes, the, the, the CEO says to him, fantastic! You're getting rejection letters. It means you're trying to do something. He said, but how can I be successful? He said, double your rate of failure. Uh-huh. Double my rate of failure? But if I fail them more times, then I'm going to be a failure. And he says, no... Because the greatest success fail many times till they get it right. right. Learn lots of ways it doesn't work. So that experience says this: I know where to do it, I know how to do it, and I know where not to. <laughs> Don't meddle here, meddle over there. If you're going to help someone who's brokenhearted, you might want to not make them worse off. Oh, take this; it'll heal you. Instead of saying, let us pray, let us cry together over your broken heart. Because there's no drug, no drink, no experience other than the love of God that's ever going to begin to heal a broken heart. We try. Young man said to me this week, I've been trying for 25 years, and he was 35. To fill this hole, and I can't fill it. He said, I've tried everything, done everything that man can do except God. He said, This is my last chance. If I don't get it filled this time, I may not survive. I'm going to try God. 
And I said, don't try God. Just do God. Mm-hmm. Amen. Don't be frozen and try. Do it. And let the fire of God begin to burn in you. He's merciful. He's not going to say you screwed up. Can I say that word in the pulpit? (laughs) I just did. (laughs) He's not going to say that. I think God would probably say, you did not fail me. Gentle servant, thank you for coming and finding grace. But God has mercy over it all. Amen. Listen, He included you. You're not able to say this does not apply to me. He included you. God is merciful over you. He wants you to find peace and joy and the fire of His Spirit burning deeply inside of you on even the coldest Darkest days. And so we talked about stuck and frozen, but what about cold? I don't know about you, but I hate it. I don't just dislike cold. I hate it. I don't like being cold. I was cold the other night. I couldn't even hardly stand. I was shivering so hard. My wife said, I've never seen you that cold. I've not been that cold in a long time. It was a cold cold. But I want to tell you something. Cold has given us a chance to look at our lives for a while, to stay home and see what we're like. Rivers freeze in cold enough weather. My swimming pool's frozen. That, that's not a hard job. It'll freeze in 28 degrees. Niagara Falls freezes when it gets cold enough. You know this? It's amazing to look at pictures of it. I've never been there in the winter. Let me tell you, you get far enough into the cold, you will freeze. Stuck. If you're outside long enough in a cold, it's inevitable that you will get frostbite if you are not warm or don't get moving or both. Get the blood flowing is what they say when you're cold outside. Get moving. What's God saying? If you feel cold in your faith, get moving. He's a God of action. (laughs) He's a God of action. Not a God of potential action. He's not this stored up battery energy. He's the action of now. This phrase, I am going to, please don't tell me that phrase. Don't tell me you're going to. Do it. I'm going to has nothing in it but intent and no plan. If I say I'm going to do this, I better be saying when and where and how in my mind or I'm not going to. I'm just saying it. I'm going to get back in church someday whenever uh, it gets below freezing and they have church and uh, nobody else is there. and We put all these regulations on it, don't we? I'm going to. That's a someday statement. Not a now statement. I I have a... Y'all heard me say this last January. I'm going to lose 15 pounds in 2017. 
No, I did not gain 20. I don't... No, I did not gain 20. I gained five. I could have set that up, but I didn't. That was perfect. I was hoping someone would bite on that. I still had 20 to go. That's right. Um, because I'm going to do this. I had no plan, no idea other than to have a gym membership and another gym membership I could activate for free for 90 days that I probably wouldn't use either. I got weights in my basement. I've got a nice workout bench in my garage. I have a treadmill in the basement that looks really good as a clothes rack. I don't even know how to use it. I don't even know if it works anymore. I'm going to lose weight this year. I have intent. But no, no plan. This is what you call is being cold or frozen because you haven't figured out what you're going to do with it. I'm going to tell you this. God is a now God and not a someday God. I'm going to pray harder this year. I'm going to study my Bible more. At what time of day and how early are you waking up to do it? Tell me your plan. Don't tell me you're going to. Tell me you are and tell me how so I can join you. Pray for you and encourage you. Keep you motivated. Tell me what I can do. Share it with someone so they can encourage you. If you really are serious, be serious about it. <coughs> Let me tell you how this all comes together, alright? We know He's a God of mercy. He doesn't want you stuck, frozen, or cold. But in Exodus chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, God is having a conversation with Moses. It looks like Moses is having a conversation with God. God is having a conversation with Moses. There's nothing you can tell God He doesn't already know. That's what I'm trying to say. You can have a conversation with God, but He's going, I already knew you were going to say that. Hey, I already knew. Yep. So here's what he says. God says to Moses, I am who I am. Because Moses wanted to know who, who was going to send him to deliver the Israelites. <laughs> yeah, I love this. God says, you're going to go to deliver the Israelites. He's going, I am? No, I am, says God. You go. Moses says, I can't do that. God says, yes, you can. I'm going with you. No, you're not. You're, I don't even know who you are. So he says, I am who I am. And he says, this you shall say to the children of Israel... Don't go to the next screen yet, Glenn. I am has sent me to you. Um, let's try this here, alright? Let's say you have your deepest struggle that you're thinking about right now. And I'm going to walk up to you and say, God has sent me to you to say you're going to be delivered from that right now. Cool, you cool. Yeah, go ahead, God. Sure. Who's you saying with? God, He sent me. Mm -hmm. Are you going to look at me like I'm nuts or are you going to really believe I'm from God? What are you going to do? I, oh, yeah, I've been struggling with this for 35 years. Are you kidding me? You can do this. And God said, oh yeah. Okay, go ahead. Wave your hands. Do it. So the next verse. And this is what God says. And we don't always say this verse. And this is the powerful one. Moreover, this is on top of that. God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, Hear this. The Lord God of your fathers, mm -hmm. the God of Abraham, mm -hmm. the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob 
has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Hear what he says. Now he does not say what the scribes and Pharisees say later about him. He says he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is what they say. It's not what he says. He says, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. And I am the God of Jacob. And don't you forget, I am that God. Don't forget. And I'm the God of your fathers. And there is no other. I set this up so you would know who I am. But why did He say that? He didn't say, I will be the God of your fathers. He didn't say, I was the God of Abraham. He said, I am the God of Abraham. He did not say, I could be the God of the universe. There might be a possibility that I could be willing. He says, I am this. This statement, if I got my verb tenses right, it was early this morning when this idea popped in my head. It's a present continuous statement. It starts and never ends. I am this. It's a who I am and it's what I'm defined by. This is my name, says God, forever and a memorial. I don't know about you, but I like seeing memorials. I like going to look at them. There was some near where I grew up. They got them uh, Mount Rushmore, Washington Monument. They're all memorials. God says His name is a memorial. That's not a thing. That's not a place you can go and visit it. It's His name. A memorial. And He says it's a forever memorial. One that won't go away. And if God is who He is and is the God of the universe and He has mercy over all His works and He doesn't want you frozen, stuck, or cold, then does it stand to reason that right now God doesn't want you frozen, stuck, or cold and not I'm going to thaw out? That He wants this for you right now. Not someday. Not when you get your life organized or straightened up, you'll fly right better with God. Someday. I like to say that day as Sunday. Amen. January 21, 2018 would be the Sunday is the day God is going to do that because God can't do it tomorrow. Why can't God do it tomorrow? Because God is right now. Tomorrow's not here. I'll do it tomorrow. You can't do it tomorrow. You can only do it right now. You can plan, but you can't do tomorrow. What's the Bible say? We make plans and God has His ways. So I'm asking you this morning, is there something keeping you from the fullness of God working through you? 
Are you frozen in your faith because you don't believe something's true that He says is true about you? Or have you let some anger and bitterness creep in that's taking away from your ability to love with all you are? Have you put other things ahead of your relationship with God and said, this is more important to me? God bless me. Thank you. (laughs) One of my mentors used to say this, there is no way to do wrong the right way. You can't do wrong right, is how he used to say that. If you want God to bless you, but you're not willing to come alongside of His work and His Word and His purpose in your life and His truth about you, how can God help you? It's a very simple question. This is such a simple conclusion to this message that it it scares me. End of December. Pick one. Doesn't matter. People start talking about resolutions. Mm -hmm. This next year, I'm going to be a a better person. This next year, I'm going to pray more. I'll pray twice instead of once. I don't know what that means. I resolve this coming year, like I said in December of 16, (laughs) by the end of December 17, I resolve to do it. Resolution says, in writing, I'm going to do this. God doesn't do it like that. He says, if you're going to do something, do it. Don't resolve to do it. Do it. You don't need to wait for a start date. If you want it done, why would you wait? If you want healing, wouldn't you want it now instead of tomorrow? If you want to love more freely, to believe God's truth, wouldn't you want to start now instead of next week? I always ask myself, why am I waiting until January 1st to start these resolutions if I want them now? My answer was simple. Thanksgiving and Christmas. <laughs> but I have Thanksgiving and Christmas in 2017. If I actually had some success, how was I going to face those? No plan. I always have a reason not to start. But it's not from God. It's my reason. Because I'm afraid. Or God won't meet me there. Or maybe I feel like I'm not worthy. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I feel like I'm just not ready yet. Mm-hmm. But God's truth about you is that when you hear the call of the Holy Spirit, He's ready for you. Mm-hmm. He's not saying, I will be ready. He's saying, I am. Yeah. Yes. I am. And the same God that delivered the Israelites from the hand of Pharaoh same God that led them across the Red Sea and across the Jordan River later. And the same God that poured down fire. And the same God that poured down the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. I am that God. Amen. There's nothing too hard for me. What is it that you think God can't do in you? 
this, whatever that is, is your truth. You need to bring to God to find mercy so He can change it. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you, uh, you speak to us gently. You urge us. You show us our, our own silliness by the way we think and talk and say things and we're going to do them, but we don't really mean it. We're kind of fixing to almost get ready to, but not quite almost, God. And, and you look at us and go, really, you're wasting your breath. Just do something. Or do not do something. Heavenly Father, look at the intent of our heart today. Let your spirit watch over us right now. And begin to look inside of us. It's an open book. Our hearts are open before you, Lord. Before whom no thoughts or secrets are hid. That even our darkness is light to you, God. Even our bitterness and anger and lack of forgiveness, you see it clearly the pain that's behind all that. And Heavenly Father, all you're asking us to do is come to you to heal and restore. That's what mercy is, is healing and restoration. And God, when we come to you and we lift it up to you, I, we, we really don't want you here to say, I'm going to do it for you. Sooner or later, one day maybe, if you have enough faith, or all we want to hear from you, God, is I am now. I am now. Not later. Now. I meet you now. And God, will you need us as we come truthfully before you today? That's my prayer. And I pray that it's the cry of our hearts this morning. And I pray it in, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, that you'd be glorified. Amen.